0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 6. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by excess Sites. Today is Friday, October 22nd, 2021, as of the recording of this show. I am your host Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by producer and co-host Matthew Marister. Hello, sir. Hey, back dude. Again, <laughs> yeah, we are back again. Uh, we're recording this episode right after we just finished recording episode five of season four. I, I do want to just take a quick minute and remind you folks of our podcast network. Okay, uh, we don't talk about it probably as often as we as we could or should, but when we say network, we mean network. Because if you're not familiar, There is the Concealed Carry Podcast, which is our flagship show, if you will. It's been around for almost, you know, in 2022, we'll we'll mark six years of podcasting under the Concealed Carry Podcast banner. Uh, We have also a couple other great quality shows that uh, you may or may not be interested in. It depends on, you know, where your focus or interests lie. But one of those is the Firearm Trainers Podcast, hosted by Rob Beckman. He's been doing that for a couple of years now and it's a great show uh, covering a lot of topics that are obviously very interesting and applicable to firearms instructors. So you can you can check out and listen to the Firearm Trainers podcast and also the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast hosted by Brian Eastridge. Uh, it's our newest show and another great, great one uh, kind of highlighting some, some issues that maybe are a little bit more law enforcement focused but are also applicable for armed citizens as well uh, because that's what the kind of the off-duty slash on-duty part of that show is really all about. Check them out, guys. I hope you enjoy those those other podcasts as well. Today's show is brought to you by Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com. This is our membership program for folks. uh, If you want to join, there's tons of benefits and reasons why to become a Guardian Nation member. Some of those are access to special discounts, Uh, We actually mentioned those quite often in in our other podcast episodes, like earlier today, recording our last episode talking about uh, our member discount for membership at CCW Safe. So if you want to get a CCW Safe plan, you can save 20% by being a Guardian Nation member. So uh, also access to special members only content, uh, especially all of our video courses. This didn't used to always be the case. But a year or two ago, we decided to make all video content. So the paid stuff, the stuff that, um, you know, we sell, we got DVDs and online streaming video courses, some of them ranging from an hour to like six or seven hours long in the case of the complete home defense, a very comprehensive video training course. All of that paid training, video, video training content is included in Guardian Nation membership. And also, Guardian Nation members get access to uh, the huge discount off of our annual Guardian Nation or Guardian Conference. Geez, I just slipped up and I just t- told people how it's the Guardian Conference, Matthew, and I almost <laughs> called it the Guardian Nation Conference. Because mm-hmm. here, here's why it's not the Guardian Nation Conference: it's because it's open to anybody that wants to attend. Okay, um, so we we term at- armed citizens that are prepared, trained, and willing to do what it takes to save and to save lives. Yeah. Uh, guardians. Okay. You'll note in the guardian nation logo, there is a dog, like a, like a German shepherd in the O of the guardian nation logo. See, the term has been around a long time, a sheep, sheepdog. Okay. But that's kind of, that term has fallen by the wayside and is no longer quite as in favor as it once was. Uh, for a variety of reasons, I won't get into right now. Maybe that could be a top, topic f- for a, an episode at some point. This is sort of an homage to the old way of thinking of the, the sheepdog mentality, and now we like to refer to it as simply guardians. And so, to be a to be a part of something, you join Guardian Nation, the nation, the place, the, the the thing for guardians to join and be a part of. If you want to get the training, you come to the Guardian Conference, right? Anyway, Guardian Nation members get a huge discount off of Guardian Conference attendance, which, by the way, we are actively planning for next year's working on locking in the dates, which we just learned today. One of the dates we wanted to do is not possible due to conflicts with the facility, but we're working on that. So stay tuned for uh, for the, we'll, we'll announce when we can next year's Guardian Conference. I know many of you are anxious for that. Please join or consider joining Guardian Nation today, guardiannation.com. If you need a little push, to, if you'd like to just check everything out for, for two weeks, uh, for for 14-day free trial, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14day, one-four-D-A-Y, and I'll give you access to a 14-day trial of Guardian Nation. So do that. Today's episode also sponsored by the Shooting Fundamentals course. It is another, it's, again, one of those training courses that's available for free to Guardian Nation members and uh, this is one of our newest training courses, something I've, I worked on and filmed to uh, teach kind of how I think of and how I approach shooting fundamentals and the reason why this is a, a, sp- a sponsor of today's episode is because some of what we talk today about is going to come, like there's going to be some connections to basic fundamentals of shooting. Um, you know The professionals don't necessarily always do anything different or it's not like some magic trick or special sauce that they have access to. And that's what makes them professionals or experts or champions. It's just that they execute fundamentals extremely well at a high level with near perfection. And so what I, one of the first lessons I learned, Matthew, observing things at the 2021 USPSA Carry Optics Nationals is those that won or nearly won, you know, those that were at the top were those that made the fewest errors. And that's a really big thing. And that requires a, that requires mastering of the fundamentals because that, because mastering means that we, we, we avoid the, the errors. So anyway, guys, check out the Shooting Fundamentals course at concealedcarry.com forward slash Shooting Fundamentals. And again, Guardian Nation members get access to that for free. So let's move into it. I'm going to kind of hand the reins somewhat over to Matthew here. He said he's got some questions for me. Um, I will set the stage by just saying, if if you're not familiar, um, USPSA stands for United States Practical Shooting Association, uh, which is, I believe, the premier... Action shooting organization out there um, because it's a it's a worldwide organization really. If, I mean USPSA is part of IPSC or IPSC, which is the International Practical Shooting Confederation, which is how the organization was originally founded in the 70s at, a, at, at near Columbia, Missouri, at a place called the Columbia Conference or an event called the Columbia Conference. IPSC was founded by a, a bunch of. Well, Jeff Cooper was there. Big names, old timers in the industry, and later, as that became a world, a true worldwide f- uh, federation, there's different regions within the world, and USPSA is the United States-based fed- uh, um, region of IPSC. Um, it is a style of shooting that would be compared to by some as "run and gun" because it's high speed. Very fa- very fast shooting and very fast movement because it's all about maximizing efficiency with a, with a gun in your hand. I compete in the carry optics division, which is essentially a factory gun. Uh, in other words, it's not a custom gun. It's a factory gun that has a slide-mounted optic on it. And it is quickly becoming the most popular division in USPSA, uh, which means that's where all the heat was this year. I think this is probably this was probably the most stacked in terms of talent uh, national championship than we've seen in quite a number of years in USPSA because almost all of the top names were there competing this last weekend. It was really impressive to see. I was honored to be a part of it, and uh, so hopefully that sets the stage a little bit. And it, by the way, this was hosted in Talladega, Alabama at the CMP Marksmanship uh, Park or whatever. I can't remember the official name of it. It's kind of a long name, but it's a beautiful facility near Talladega in Alabama. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. Weather was nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I shot some things really well and some things not quite so well. That's what we're here to talk about. And <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I do hope that some of the lessons we talk about today will be out. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident they're going to be applicable for any concealed carrier or gun owner uh, or shooter out there regardless of if you compete or not because in my mind shooting is shooting there's different contexts for shooting there's a defensive context there's a competitive context there's all kinds of contexts military law enforcement and so on we have, if we apply the but the but the way we apply the fundamentals of shooting to those contexts, by and large, all apply the same. So, any, anyway, I'll leave it at that. Where do you want to start, Matthew?
1: Yeah. All right. So let's let's do this. Let's first let me just ask you a basic question about like how many, how long, how many, uh, maybe not nationals, but in a typical year, you go through. How many different competitive experiences before you get to nationals? And overall, how how many do you think how long you've been doing this? How many times have you stepped up and been under the, you know, in in a competitive mindset?
0: Hmm. Interesting question to start with. So I would say I'm still a relative newcomer, at least to USPSA competitive shooting. Uh, I think to this point, I have still shot less than 25 matches total in USPSA. Um, I just pulled up my record here. 1, 18, 19, 20, 22, 22 matches I've shot, which is not like, I know guys that shoot 22 matches in like three months. Wow, you know, uh, because that—that's how active they are. I, I'm a busy guy, and I have a family with five kids, and uh, so so I have to really be careful how I balance everything in my life. And uh, I, I could go, I could go crazy and gangbusters and compete in a ton of matches, and I'd be better for it. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't, you know, and and you know, and still remain married and still remain a father to my kids. So uh, I'm really picky and choosy about the matches that I shoot. And that also leads me to want to maximize um, that experience and what I gain out of it. And so, um, th- so this year I sh- I've shot more major matches this year than I have locals. And 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 major matches are really a local match is one that's it's quite that it's local, like it's it's at your local gun club and it's the same 30 or 40 or 50 people that you, you know, these are your friends, or your neighbors, the local shooting community that show up for that. Uh, major matches are going to be anything that's level two or higher. So some of those are gonna be sectional matches, state championships, other specialty major matches. And above that, you are going to have level threes, which are, pretty much reserved for your area championships, which are like a regional championship. They cover multiple States and then you got nationals, which is a level four and that's a, that that's above everything else. Um, generally anything level two or higher is considered a major match. That's because usually you're going to see people that travel in for those matches from other areas, including some high level talent. And so this year I, I shot in more, uh, more major matches, level two or above than I, than I did local matches, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I didn't realize that until at one point I was like, Oh wow. Like I haven't really shot any, any locals this year. And in fact, it's been since like May since I shot a local match. Yeah. Uh, so there's some, some, some pros and some cons to that. Um, I'll be honest. I forgot what your question was.
1: <laughs> you you answered it like within the first couple seconds, I was just asking, I, I wanted to see, cause you know, you can, and you kind of went right into it as, is, you know, Competitive, being a competitive shooter is um it, it can be kind of like a hobby right for some but you're talking about guys that shoot 33 matches and you said you know a couple months right and so there are or gals um, but you know there are um you can really become quite it, it's it's an athletic it it the same way we look at a professional athlete, right? Like um, we assume that they're training every day, they're practicing every day, they're they're competing, they're putting themselves in uh, under stress and under real life conditions. So it's the same. I think sometimes we think of like shooting, you know, even competitive shooting. If you're not involved in it as something you do maybe on a weekend or you just have fun and you go out and you know, you know, I'm more competitive, so I'm going to go, but. Competitive shooting, like USPSA, there are, um, you know, very competitive athletic type training that goes on um, even within within that context. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, in, in USPSA especially, so uh, because there is a, a, a large component of it that is physical strength and speed. Uh, obviously, the faster you can move, the the faster you can navigate a course of fire. The stronger you are, the better you can mitigate things like recoil. Um, you know, and and, and the more uh, solid of a fa- you know foundation or shoot or base that you have for your shooting, um, and, and things of that nature. So there's so it is very much a physical sport. Although what's fun is that you see people of all types, from all sorts of walks of life, all sorts of ages. In fact, I. I the uh, limited and open division nat- national championship is going on right now as we speak uh, at the same range there in Alabama. Uh, so they split up. Last weekend was PCC pistol caliber car- carbine and carry optics, and this week is uh, limited and open divisions. And so I had that pulled up earlier today on 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 uh, my TV on YouTube, and was watching some of them. And you know you see. I don't- you see a guy shoot a stage and you could tell he's, he's a grandmaster, younger fella moving really, really good, really well moving, moving quickly, shooting fast. And then next up looked like some, you know, 72 year old retired guy that is just there having the time of his life. Um, I do appreciate that. It's sort of like bowling in that respect or golf that just about anybody of any age can, can actually enjoy the sport, but to really be maximally, you know, competitive, uh, it's definitely going to favor those that are in a better health and strength and, and all that sorts of things. My preparation this year, by the way, this year, I started trying to lose weight and build uh, strength, uh, especially lower body. Well, I didn't, I shouldn't say ignoring things like upper body strength, because that's also important as well, but, but really working on my leg strength because that's going to directly impact movement. And losing weight was part of that too. The less weight that I have and that I carry, the better I can move. So uh, this year I've lost um, 30, 35 pounds, uh, almost 40 pounds, which has been a pretty good thing for me. Uh, I've sort of plateaued at this point and we're kind of getting close to the uh, off season for USPSA now at this point. And then I'm going to try to really get back after it with my uh, weight loss and um, physical you know, strength building plans uh and so looking forward to a productive off season in that regard shooting wise by the way i haven't really shot as much this year as what i would have liked and i definitely did not shoot nearly the amount that i would have liked leading up to nationals in preparation for it we can talk some more about that i'm sure it'll come up in some other discussion
1: yeah yeah um. So you were talking about like, obviously, I don't know if you're reading my notes over here or something, but um, you, you were talking about physical conditioning you've done, but like, what about psychological conditioning or, you know, setting goals throughout, throughout the year that say, Hey, I want to get to this point, whether it's a short term, I want to be able to do this specific drill in this time. And then how do you apply that before you're a, a, com- a competition where you're kind of I don't want to say psyching yourself up but when you're driving across the country to go compete are you doing anything psychologically to prepare
0: That's a big component honestly most of the refinement and improvement that I can make and need to make at this point in where I'm at with my shooting is the mental game the mental aspect of shooting um People we'll underestimate how important the mental game is, your mindset, if you will, uh, because what, what happens a lot of times is, this is true of, I believe, all shooters, no matter what level you are at, that we often get in our own way, mentally speaking. That, you know, there is whatever our actual physical or technical skill is, right? Whatever that is whether a low, intermediate, or high level, okay? And then reality in terms of actually how we perform is going to be influenced by how that skill sort of like passes through our mental filter. And so we have a tendency of thinking negatively about things, of allowing things like nervousness, and what not to creep in and get in our way, um, worrying about how we're going to look in front of our peers, um, worrying about results instead of the process. These are all things that get in our own way and don't allow us to actually achieve our actual level of skill Mm -hmm. in our performance. And that's something that I did not appreciate really at all up until, mm, I don't know, two years ago. I mean, really, once I started competing actively in USPSA is when I started recognizing, I was like, whoa, the skill is pretty much there for me in a lot of respects. What I lack yet is is more of a mental thing. And I've made a lot of gains in that in uh, recent history. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I still have a ways to go. I mean, I'll tell you this much. Um, nervousness is not as much a a problem for me as it once was. So for a lot of people, especially the first time you compete, the the time it'll hit you is the first time you're standing at the start position and the RO, the range officer is telling you make ready. And you're like, Oh, okay. I'm loading my gun now. I'm getting ready to go. And like, then it'll hit you because then you realize I'm up here all alone. I mean, other than the range officer, everybody in my squad's watching me, Everybody, well, maybe not everybody. Some some of them maybe don't even give a crap. And some of them maybe are busy. Maybe they're topping off magazines because they just got done shooting them, you know, right before excuse me, right before you. Um, maybe they are mentally preparing themselves, maybe they're visualizing their stage run. So actually, maybe you know, the reality is some people are watching, many people are not, but you'll stand there and you'll be like, Oh, I'm here, I'm in the hot seat, people are watching me and it'll hit you and then the shot timer is right there by your ear and the ro is saying are you ready stand by and it's like oh crap right beep and people will joke about how it's like a memory you know erasing device that the shot timer that beep beep it's like you know uh uh, uh, men in black yeah men in black right (laughs) you know with the memory erasing device thing you know like uh, you know, Tom, you got Tommy Lee Jones, you know, like holding that up to your face. And <laughs> next thing you know, your mind goes blank, right? Um, people joke about that. It's, there's there's definitely some truth to that uh, because, you know, there, there, there is... Because what, what's happening is this is all stress-related, right? And stress is a real thing. And stress exists in a variety of areas of our lives. And stress equals stress. So that's the first thing that's really important to understand. Whether we're talking about a competitive shooting match or a real-life self-defense shooting or some kind of other physical event that where lives could be at stake. Yes. The context is different and yes, there's different, everything about it's different, but the stress is still stress. Stress equals stress. That's been scientifically proven like stress Whether it's experienced in a car accident, a shooting, a competitive shooting match, a game of pickup ball with your friends on the local basketball court is all stress, okay? And how you handle stress, like that's really the question. That's really the ticket. But one thing that has been shown is that the more we expose ourselves to stress and prove that we can handle stress, the better we get at managing stress of all types, okay? It's not a perfect correlation, but it does help, okay? So for me, I've been doing it long enough now, and I've worked hard enough at this that that the stress, the nervous, especially the more of the anxiety part of it doesn't affect me quite as much when I'm actually competing, even at nationals. So there was a couple of times, maybe three or four times, where I sort of felt those anxious feelings sort of like bubbling up to the surface a little bit but i've gotten now to where i can manage that a lot better and i i first of all i just recognize oh hey i'm feeling anxious why am i feeling anxious there's usually a reason why why and for me one one big aspect is wanting to do well and being afraid of not doing well so it's fear of failure so you want to do well and you're looking at the stage and you're like I I could do this. Like this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But then you start maybe having these little doubts creep in, and it's that fear of failure that that sometimes will get me. And just recognizing that I'm having those thoughts and those feelings can be incredibly helpful to overcoming that that anxiety, that fear of failure. Uh, Because I'll just, I just, I that's literally what'll go through my mind. Sometimes that happens right as the make ready is taking place. Make ready, and I'm like, ooh, I'm getting anxious. Why am I getting, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm going through things and I'm, I'm, and I will just quickly ask myself, like, why am I getting anxious? Oh, cause I'm, and it might be something specific to that stage. It might be that I'm afraid of this no shoot on this target. That's at 21 yards. That's kind of hard to hit. And it's a very tight area. And I'm worried about failing on that. And I have to just like, Hey, you know what? Okay. It makes sense that I'm worried about that, but it's okay. Because. I'm all I got to do. Like, if you if you can if you can take that anxiety and switch that back into something more process focused, then that that helps me in a big way. And so what that looks like is I'm nervous. I'm going to hit that no shoot at 21 yards. It's a tight, tight, tight target area. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to fail in that. Okay. Well, what what can help me avoid making a misstep on that? Well, as long as I see my sight where it needs to be and my sight stabilizes enough on the target in the acceptable target, you know, target zone, then I have nothing to fear. And like that little realization is all it takes for me to go, Oh, you know what? I'm good because, and I'll just tell myself and I'll revisualize my stage plan before I shoot that stage. Cause that's part of that make ready routine. And that I go through that same routine every time when they say make ready, First of all, I'll check my equipment. I'll check the gun. I'll check my optic, make sure that my optic's turned on, to the, turned on first of all, and then it's at a brightness that it's acceptable for the current lighting conditions. I'll do some practice draws, okay, and make sure that that feels good. After I've gone through that, then I rehearse mentally and visually my stage plan, and when I get to that part of the stage that was making me nervous, where I was afraid of failing, then I go back to that process focus thing, and I just remind myself, when I get to that point... What do I need to see? And I need to see my sight on the on the target in the acceptable area. I need to let it settle enough to get an acceptable hit. And I know how to do that because I've done that many, many, many times before. And so I remind myself of that process, and then finish the visualization,
1: and then I'm ready to go. How, so how, how do you balance? How do you balance um, being loose and not being over? You know, putting an, enough importance to it where you're focused, but you're not in the zone of anxiety. You know what I'm saying? You see some people come up, and it's like they're almost not taking it seriously. They're too loose, and they don't perform. How do you stay in the yeah. zone where you're?
0: I would say I, I experienced that a little bit last year's nationals because I was so afraid of being overly anxious. That's my first time going to nationals, and I was like, man, like this is a big deal. Um, that I, I did such a good job to overcome that anxiety that I was almost too calm and relaxed and things that on day one, it was almost like I didn't have the desire to really do anything fast or, or, you know, to like there was no, I lacked a, a serious amount of like aggression mm-hmm. and lack of mental engagement because I was, I was, af- I was afraid that the more I thought, things through that it would create stumbling blocks, that it would create anxiety. And so like I had a lot of like mental errors, like I'd be in the middle of a stage and I would, like I started trying to reload at a place I shouldn't have been reloading. And that was more of a mental misstep because I don't think I was quite mentally, focused appropriately because I was, I was trying to maybe compartmentalize and disengage myself from a lot of what was happening uh, because I was afraid that what would happen if I got too anxious about it. So, so how, yeah, so that's, that's that's an interesting question. Um, And I think it's going to be a little bit different for every person, but we obviously have to be mentally engaged in the activity or we're not going to be able to perform it well. And being engaged in it means that there's going to be that that potential for anxiety and nervousness and things like that to creep in. And and I really truly believe and feel that the best way to handle that is to simply, it's like if you, not that I've really spent a lot of time in a psychiatrist's <laughs> office or anything like that, but um, but if you can imagine like sitting down with a mental health professional and you're trying to figure out some problem in your life. And a lot of what that is is number 1 recognizing what exactly is the problem? What's the root cause of a problem? Where did it come from? What what you know what what led you to get to this place where you currently are? And so for me looking at it is, you know by by being mentally engaged in what I'm about to do, compete, shoot, whatever is it, Creates the opportunity for me to get nervous or anxious about it. But then I got to simply address that and talk myself through it. Okay, why am I nervous about this? I'm nervous because I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of looking poorly in front of my friends or my fellow squad mates. Oh, why am I worried about that? Well, because like I have a reputation to manage or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like there's walk yourself through that. And at the end of the day, here's where I usually end up. Number one, something process-focused that's related to a part of the stage that maybe I'm afraid of of, of failing on. Number two, reminding myself that these other people around here be- behind me watching whatever don't give a crap. They're all worried themselves about how they're going to perform. And half of them aren't even watching me anyway. And even if they are, because I've been there and done it myself, I watch a lot of other people shoot, and I'm just like, whatever. Like I don't care how that how that person shoots. Like it, it's irrelevant to how I'm gonna perform. And I have to remind myself of that. Like that's irrelevant. And flip and flip that around and like, hey, it doesn't matter what they think. And you know what? I still had some big mistakes at, at Nationals this last week. Uh stuff that I was kind of embarrassed by a little bit. But guess what? I watched everybody else in my squad make mistakes. So that's another part. Just recognizing that we're all going to make mistakes at some point. So it doesn't matter. And we all understand. And we've all been there, been there, and done that. Um, and that helps me to just be like, hey, don't worry about them. Okay. Don't worry about looking bad. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about where, I, where my name comes in, in the final results at the end of the day. Because none of that matters. All that matters is what I'm about to do. And for that to happen, I have to be totally, I have to be like engaged in, in that present moment of what I'm doing if I'm thinking about stuff in the future in other words results or how something's going to end up or if I'm worried about something that already happened oh I did poorly on that last stage it didn't go well I felt po- I felt bad about that like then you're worried about the past or you're worried about the future and you're not engaged in the in the present and if you're engaged in the present then you're it's it's like a it's an experiential thing You're purely experiencing what's happening and you're not consciously thinking about what's taking place. That's hard to do. It really is. But if you're going to perform the best, that's what you have to do.
1: So when you were there, um, you said, you know, obviously um, you go in with a a specific set of expectations. I'm not saying that, you know, you you, you wanted to, perform at a certain rank, but maybe you said, I want to do this stage well, or I want to do this. How do how, going into it? Um, do you feel like you lived up to your expectations? You think that you, um, they were realistic expectations sometimes. Like I know for me, if I go and do something, sometimes I'll set unrealistic expectations that, you know, I, I have to kind of say, well, you know, I didn't live up to that expectation, but, uh, like thinking about it, that was probably not, you know, a, a rea- realistic expectation set. So did you live up to your expectations? Were they set appropriately? Do you feel like um, you feel good about your performance overall? Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, we have to be really careful with expectations and expectations mm-hmm. are closely related to goals. Um, goals are important to have, but. Goals do need to be. Hmm. They need to be realistic. Goals should also be always like goals are a tricky one. Um, they should be accomplishable, right? But at the same time, like they they need to be something that pushes us, right? So it's not like it's not like I set a goal for tomorrow to make my bed. You know what I mean? Like. That's that's a very accomplishable and reasonable goal, and so like, yeah, I know I can do that. Like, that's no problem. I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to make my bed in the morning, but that's not a goal that pushes me in any way. You know what I mean? Like, so so goals need to be balanced between being reasonable and also something that pushes us. Okay, um, expectations are. Here's the thing: like you, you can't have expectations when you step on the line and it's time to shoot. Because it's not the place for it. Um, all of that should have happened already prior to that, and and your goals or expectations should have led you to prepare a certain way to put yourself in the best position to accomplish those things once you're actually there. So, one th- one mistake that I see a lot, and I saw somebody actually today uh, in a in a forum post, or maybe it was yesterday. And they were talking about how their goal was to finish in the top 25 at nationals. That's a wonderful goal. Like I'll be honest, like I'd like to be in the top 25 at some point, the top 20, the top 10, et cetera. You know, like that's a wonderful goal. There's a couple of problems with it though. Number one, it's not something that you have total control over because there's other people that are participating in that same sport. Right. And we don't get to pick and choose how they perform, and even when we put our best uh, our best effort forward, it may not be enough because there may be twenty five other people that just are better than we are because they they put in more time, they put in more effort. Even though I put in a lot, they did more. Okay, and so that's not something that's completely within my control. Um, I would say, in a general sense. I think not as a specific goal, but I just think like, I know if I keep on the path that I'm on with my other goals that I'm going to eventually get there to being in that top 20, top 10, whatever. Um, But, but I can't be let, I can't let that hang over my head, especially when I'm actually at the match competing or at the championship. Um, Goals that are very specific, specifically related to outcomes or results of performance are less ideal than I think process focused goals So or expectations. So um, for me, my a goal that I had for myself at the 2021 Nationals was to call every shot fired. And what that requires is that I have to see my site on every target for every shot fired and see that site lift. Off the target, okay, because that's the moment that it's firing. Um, did I accomplish that goal? Not one hundred percent, but uh, if I was rating that, I would say I I called ninety five. I'd have to, I could go back and do the math. I could because I can actually remember which shots I did not perfectly. You know that I did not actually call, and I could then do a percentage and go, Hey, I called ninety two percent of my shots. Okay. And why is that relevant? Why and why is that a goal that is better a better one to have? Um, it's a better one to have because it's process focused, and I have control over it. I can control whether I call shots or not because I can control whether I'm visually engaged with the process and seeing what I need to see and see my sights lift off the target. So that's a process focused one, and I can control it. Okay, and so so that and I would say. I, w- I would say I accomplished that goal. I mean, the goal was call every shot on every target. I didn't do it perfectly, but I would say still overall, I was very happy with my level of performance in, in accomplishing that goal. Next time I might say, I'm going to try to accomplish that 95% of the time, 98% of the time, hundred percent of the time, whatever I, I could, I, I, the goal will always be hundred percent, but you know, the, the the measurement of how I'm moving towards that goal would be the thing that I would actually, you know, pay pay attention to and track.
1: When did you so, start? When did you, when did that become a goal of yours? When did you realize that that was important to success at uh, USPSA?
0: Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say that was my, my, it was a specific goal established re, re, relevant to this year's national championship. Because I did not accomplish that very well at all at last year's national championship. When did I specifically establish it? I don't recall exactly, but I know that some number of months ago, that was the goal is call every shot and every target. Um, That what that does is it forces you to be accountable for every shot that you fire. And if you're accountable, then you're going to have fewer problems, fewer fewer misses, that sort of thing. Uh, I had some misses at this year's nationals. And I could tell you that every one of those were ones related to my not um, calling a shot on every shot fired. And here's why that's important, and why it's important to recognize that, because I can I can better correct that by recognizing I can think back and I can specifically remember certain targets that I did not like. My eyes started leaving the target or going somewhere else both physically and sometimes it was more of a mental thing before I fired that shot. And I specifically remember it in the case of there was a tricky activator sequence that meant that there was a target that you'd shoot that would like a lot of times it's a popper. Okay. And the poppers a still target. It's going to fall down. And when it falls, it pulls a cable, which activates a moving target of some kind. A lot of times it's a swinger. Maybe it's a bobber that just goes up and down, that kind of thing. So there was an activator sequence where the more experience you get, the more you want to take advantage of time between when I shoot the activator and when I actually shoot the target that it activates. There's There's a space of time. And if I can shoot something else in between shooting the activator and then shooting the activated target then I'm getting more work done in that time, and that's going to make me more efficient. So higher score, right? So there was a tricky activator sequence where I was shooting the activator, then another popper, then two shots on a paper target, and then coming back to the activated target. It was was a very challenging activation sequence, one that I was probably a little too aggressive with. However, I remain convinced that I could have successfully achieved it had I not had a brief moment of anxiety of feeling like I didn't have enough time and I disrespected, here's the, here's what's interesting. I hit popper one, the activator, perfectly fine. Popper two, hit it square, center of the target, went to the paper target, shot it twice, or at least shot at it twice, and then got back to the activated target, which was a bobber in this case, and shot it twice. In the moment, I thought I did everything I needed to do. The reality was I had a miss on that paper target that I was part of that activation sequence. And it was most likely the second shot because I, I believe I rushed that shot. And I could tell you, I do not remember seeing a sight picture for that second shot on that target because I was so nervous or concerned about getting back to the activate the, the bobber target, the activated target, that it, it was sort of ping, ping, bup, bup. And I was like, mentally, I was skipping that part of, excuse me, I hit the microphone, skipping that part of the process of making sure I got two good hits on the open paper target before I came back to the activated target. There was plenty of time to get that done. But mentally, I I felt like there wasn't time. And so I I rushed the process. And the part that I rushed was failing to actually see two site pictures on that target before leaving and coming over to the activated target. So little examples like that, that I can think from all all weekend long, um, I had more misses than I would have liked to have had. They certainly were costly at times and they were almost always attributable to something like that. And so it tells me very distinctly that two things. Number one, I'm not being patient enough with targets like that. Number two, I'm not trusting myself and my level of skill enough to get the job done. Hmm. You know, that the, the believing that there hey, there there is time. I have time and my skill will allow me to get it done in that amount of time. I just have to trust that a little bit more and be a little bit more patient.
1: So I I got a question. So let's say you don't know me, we're at a competition and I come up to you and I'm brand new my first competitive Shooting event, and I come up to you, and you got a minute to talk to me. And I'm I'm about to go up there, and I say, "Hey, Riley, you know, uh, what advice do you have for me? Yeah, you, you got a minute. Like, what 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 would be the one little nugget that you would you would give me in a minute? This is it, at a match, like maybe maybe you know, you got a minute to give me a, a little nugget of wisdom that you wish you knew before your first competitive. You know, uh, experience, and you have a minute to to give it to me.
0: Trust the process, and don't worry about the results. Now, if I expounded on that just a little bit, we've talked we've touched on a lot of these things today. But trusting the process means you do the things that gets hits on target. What it what are those things? Well, in the words of the famous Rob Latham, in his aiming his aiming is useless video. It is get the gun on target, hold it there, and don't move it while you press the trigger. It's aim the gun, don't move it, press trigger. That's the process that guarantees hits on target. If we follow that simple of a process, it's simple. Nobody's ever said it was easy, but it is very simple. And so if we're struggling with getting hits on target, then there's a failure somewhere in that simple process. We're either not holding the gun well enough or stable enough to get the requisite hits or we're moving it when we're pressing the trigger or we're failing in some regard with, with respect to the aiming part of that equation. We're not seeing something that we should be seeing. And it, so you can always go back to that process because that's how we get hits on target. So trust the process, Okay. And don't worry about results. So don't worry about being fast. Don't worry about setting a high hit factor on a stage. Don't worry about how you look in front of others. Don't worry about where you're going to place or finish or whatever. Okay. Don't worry about that because you're trusting the process. And if you, if you trust the process, then you will get things done in the, lowest amount of time that you are physically and technically capable of as of right now, we could always get better and faster, but if we just trust that process, I find that it, it means we're going to get the best possible res- We're going to get hits on target in as little time as possible of what we are capable of achieving right now.
1: It's good stuff, man.
0: Oh, you know, I just remembered something else.
1: We're back to goal. We only have a, we only had a minute. No, I know, I know. <laughs> this,
0: this is this is going back to the question you already asked me before. I was just going to say because this is this is for me and this is for accountability uh, because we'll see how things go next year. But um, one of my I'm, I talked about one goal for nationals this year. The other goal was just simply to see overall improvement from where I was last year, and that was simply measured in terms of did I move up percentage wise against the best shooters in the world, and I can answer with. I mean, I can I can answer with definitiveness that yes, I improved over last year. So uh, that's more of a measurement goal of just uh, that I can't totally impact or influence that how the top top guys finish. Um, but generally it's going to shake I would say this much. this year's competition was a lot spicier than last year's. I, I truly believe that he, that J.J. Rakaza who won national championship this year, probably shot at a higher level than Max Michelle did last year to win it. Which means, even though my percentage didn't seem like it went up that much, it probably actually went up quite a bit. My overall performance actually probably went up considerably more compared to how I shot last year. Anyway, I just wanted to say that because, hey, it's important that if we set goals, that we should be able to accomplish them. And I'm just reporting that in that respect, 100%, I accomplished that goal. The shot-calling goal goal was not 100%, but was definitely much improved over last year.
1: That's awesome, man. Last question. I know we're kind of running late on on time, and we got to wrap it up. But um, what was... What was something that you, that, you you know, you take something away from every competitive experience or any, every experience you go to, um, what was something you took away specifically, whether it's your performance, somebody else's performance, a good thing, something, you know, you, you boned up like any, what was something that you'll walk away and say, like, I learned a lot from this. What would that be?
0: Hmm. I learned that I cannot not prepare and go to a major event and expect to get the level of performance that I would have gotten had I been better
1: prepared. So preparations. Uh,
0: There's a lot of reasons for that. Like I had had it in my mind for months that in the weeks leading up to nationals this year, I was going to spend quite a bit of time practicing, especially in live fire. Um, but you know, everyone's familiar now by, by now that, you know, we had issues with Jacob's health, uh, business was crazy and busy. We had training conferences and things going on and a lot more workload that fell on my shoulders and your shoulders and other people's shoulders in this company. And that took away from my ability to prepare and, and which was fine. Like it was what it was. I, I begrudged nobody for any of that. Uh, but I got precisely one decent shooting practice about five days before nationals and that's it. And, and and I, you know, and and I knew that and I went to nationals kind of like, Hey, you know, I didn't practice or repair quite as much as I had planned or would have liked to. Um, I'm just going to do the best I can and it'll be fine. There is still that part of you that's like, well, I hope I can pull this out of my butt. And well, I did not. Okay. So the, the fact that I had not shot a match, for two months prior to nationals definitely showed day one was basically me getting warmed up for the rest of the match. And it definitely reflected in the scores day two. I shot much better, much better. And the day three, I started out really well and kind of didn't finish as well. Um, But uh, overall, I would still say day three was better than day one. So um, yeah, preparation is key and you can't expect greater results uh if you don't prepare you know uh, spec- and this is related to a specific amount of preparation i have a lot of other preparation that accum- cumulatively has uh, you know has grown over the years but like to get my best performance at nationals i needed to specifically practice and prepare for it uh immediately before you know and in the, in, in the weeks leading up to it and that just didn't happen and so can't expect miracles to happen that's not the way it works
1: yeah well I mean, I know just going through this with you man is has been really cool because I know if I was gonna go shoot competitively this this conversation would be in my mind, you know, um, learning from you, going through your your experiences and knowing that you are uh, engaged with other people that have been competitive been shooting competitively for a long time and getting gleaning information and w- wisdom and knowledge from them so it's like this constant passing on of of information and knowledge and stuff and uh, i appreciate it I, I hope like people i know you know they might think you know most of the stuff concealed carry is all self-defense minded but i i, I think that um the the simple, Fundamentals, uh, not just shooting fundamentals, I'm talking fundamentals of preparation and in the mental um, aspect of it and just kind of setting goals and not not beating yourself up and getting inside your own head to, to kind of thwart your ability to function can apply not only in shooting, but in life in general. But like if you're going to a competitive shooting class that you don't get in your head and in these types of things. So um, I think there's a lot of application in, in everything you're talking about.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I'll just say to those that do kind of think in terms of like defensive versus competition, um, shooting is shooting. And you will be a better so-called defensive shooter if you're just a better shooter. And I'll tell you, in defensive contexts, like what we see in a lot of defensive training courses is not a lot that really drives people towards becoming high level shooters it's more of information and training that gets them to being average shooters but with some knowledge of tactics uh i didn't start to really understand shooting as well as I do now until I started actually competing. And part of the reason for that is because competing and wanting to do well caused me to have a desire to understand shooting more than I ever had before and actually work on it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, competitive shooting will help you because it'll bring greater interest to your performance in shooting, which you can still be a very sound, tactical, and defensive guy or gal and just have a better level of shooting skill. Anyway, that's all I got to say. Cool. So we should probably wrap it up, huh? Yeah, yeah. Folks, thanks for joining us for another episode. Um, one more time, today's episode sponsors GuardianNation.com. And check out our Shooting Fundamentals course at concealedcarry.com forward slash shooting fundamentals. I think there'll be a lot of information there to benefit you and your own journey, both for beginners. It, it is geared towards beginners, but there's a lot of other great stuff in, in there as well. So um, check it out concealcarry.com forward slash shooting fundamentals our fundamentals can always get better so with that we're going to let you go a reminder to train right, train often and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true take care